Welcome. This is Victoria Schneps from Schneps Media, and I am delighted to bring you Power Women. And today we truly have powerful women to be talking with. And I feel so honored to talk to Helen Ortega, who has been appointed as the CEO of Elmhurst Hospital. Welcome. And Dr. Jasmine Moshapur, who is the CMO, that means medical director of Elmhurst Hospital and Queens Hospital. Welcome. I'm so delighted to have you as my power women today. And let me start with you, um, Helen Ortega, with roots in Ecuador. Uh, but today, strongly here, um, I heard you're living in Ecuador, in, uh, in Corona. <laughs> now, Vicky, thank you so much for having us here. This is such a pleasure. Sadly, we can't meet in, in person, but um, this is going to be very exciting for me today. And I wish I could live back in Ecuador. Ecuador is so beautiful, and the weather's like San Diego. Always yeah. great temperature. So it's always great there. Yeah. But I'm happy to be living in Corona as well. Yes. So I'm going to ask both of you the same question, uh, and that is, who influenced you to be who you are, who from your childhood impacted your life? And I'll start with Dr. Jasmine Moshapur. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for the opportunity. I have to mention that my mother was my best teacher, and she really did influence my life to medicine. My first choice when I was in the college to go to law school, but she always did believe that I am a softy, according to her, and I would never judge even somebody as a stealer or killer in a right way. And as long as my goal was to help the general population and especially underserved people, the medicine would be the right things for me to do. I was born and raised in Shiraz, Iran. I did participate on a medical school which was built by Shah and was affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania. So all our entrance exam, the teacher and the text came from University of Pennsylvania. And when I complete my training there, my mother did push me to come to United States for completion of my medical uh, you know, work and take a residency in United States. And my first choice was as long as the female uh, obstetrician and gynecology was acceptable way of the treating the female population, both back home and here, I did choose to go to OB and GYN. Even at that time was one of the most difficult residency to enter because they believe that the male resident can make a better physician. And I participate on a pyramid a residency program from nine to four, and I managed to graduate from that residency. So would you say that your mother was the most important influence on your life because she encouraged you to carry on to new worlds? I mean, it wasn't easy moving from Iran to the States. Correct, correct. And that was the first time that I was away from home. My mother was an extremely educated woman and she worked you know, practically through her life, even she didn't 
have to work, but she thought that even from 60 years ago, the equality between the male and female population should be accepted uh, you know, by general population. So she was really my mentor through my life. So um, Helen Ortega, who is now the CEO of Elmhurst Hustle, who would you say influenced you in your growing up years? So for me, it was my dad. My dad, he was like, for me, the coolest guy on the planet. You know, I was definitely a daddy's girl for sure. But my dad, the way he just lived his life, it was so amazed to me. Like, it didn't matter. Like, he always gave a helping hand. It didn't matter who it was, if it was a stranger, his neighbor, anyone from church. He just believed in helping people, whether they were grateful or not. You know, my dad helped a lot of people who, like, were maybe sometimes not even nice that didn't deserve to be helped. And he always believed, no, like, we always should help thy neighbor. And, you know, my dad came from very humble beginnings. And my dad, you know, he didn't even realize he was a community activist because he just did it. He just believed in doing it. So in seeing that in that leaders are born from within and passion and grace, I mean, I was always like impressed by that. Like, and I, I literally ruled my life by how my dad practiced his life. You know, whether I got the thank you or not, I still did it anyway. So were you also born in the States or were you born in Ecuador and then came here as Dr. Rosa? No, actually, I, I was born here in the States, but when I was a baby, I was taken back home to Ecuador because my mm-hmm. parents couldn't afford to have, it was too much money and they had to work, they didn't have childcare. So my grandma raised me since I was 12. Well, you know, it's interesting, this link to childcare, even today, don't you see that yeah. being a needy part of every employee? Because I know you employ about... 4,400 people? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. And the majority are women. 76% of our workforce here are women. Wow. So, I mean, this idea of childcare, I mean, I don't know if you have on the grounds, but I bet that's a big problem for a lot of working women. And I don't know how you guys, if you could explain to us how you survived the kind of intense, I mean, 24-7 COVID, you were the leaders you know, President Trump talked about you on TV and, you know, Elmhurst Hospital became the center of attention. Yes, that was uh, actually, Vicky, a very difficult uh, starting time during COVID for us, because as you mentioned, that a lot of our uh, female uh, workers are actually young people, that they have child at home, school got closed, and they worry that they are going to be exposed to a disease that is highly contaminated to take the disease home to the family was the main concern. So we practically, maybe one third of our staff, especially in the nursing staff, did choose to stay home. And as you know that the number of the patient here was overwhelming. At one point, we had over 450 COVID patients between our emergency room and inpatient. We turned practically every floor of the hospital to a COVID ICU or a step-down unit. We even turned our operating room to a room for the patient. We use our anesthesia machine as a ventilator for the patient. 
So at one point at 11.30 at night, I called the emergency room to see what is the situation. And happened that my director of emergency room was in the emergency and he answered the phone and he asked me if I can divert the patients to other hospital. As you know that we received a notice in actually February 26th from the president of health and hospital and also mayor's office that uh, two hospital in New York City was designated to be the receiving hospital for the COVID patient. Elmhurst was one and the other one was Bellevue that did not really get the same number of the patient there. So I told him that at 11.30, no way that I can divert the ambulance and why you want me to divert the ambulance anyway. He says that I have over 350 patients in the emergency room and there are seven ambulances outside that we don't have wheelchair or a stretcher to unload the patient. The intensity of the disease was so high that patient from the ambulance to emergency room did not make it, or from the floor to upstairs, they, they did not make it. What we did, I called actually the president of Helton Hospital at seven o'clock in the morning. I said, sorry to wake you up. And I asked him that unless I get the help from outside medical help, we would not be able to carry such a load of sick patients. And that was the time that in like a matter of one or two weeks, we received 350 people from Army, Navy, and FEMA at the nurse of doctors, intensivists, nurses, respiratory therapists, a dietitian, you name it. And that helped really did made us able to pro properly take care of the patient. The other problem was also equipment. We did not have enough respirator or ventilator to take care of the patient. It would come the time that what patient should go on ventilator and what patient should be only by you know, mask and oxygen. So it was a very tough and difficult first several weeks for us till we really did cope how to handle the patients here and get them help that we needed from outside. You know, I feel like it, I feel like I could cry. It just, uh, you know, the burden on your shoulders. Helen Ortega, you were new as the CEO. I mean, I don't know exactly which day in this crisis you were appointed, but you've probably been living through that as well. No, and I just have to, you know, what Jasmine was saying, I think the type of work that was done within these walls are beyond heroes. I mean, the sacrifices these individuals made to take care of a patient, whether it was to get this patient out our, outside our doors and back to healthiness, but also a lot of them did pass away, but also pass away with dignity and with their families nearby or with their families on iPads. I mean, talk about being creative, how to stay connected during the most difficult times in a patient when the patient is sick. I mean, the work that was done in this hospital and the dedication I mean, it's like no other. I mean, they literally were standing strong, not only by each other, but by each other, by the community, by the patient, by people who didn't even know who they were. 
And, you know, and I always felt like Elmer's got bad press for some of the stuff that was out there. And even then, the staff here was like, no, we stand strong by what we do. And that type of commitment and, um, like, heart, it's like, you can't, you can't get a better team than that. That's why I was so proud to take this job on. Mickey, what happened? We closed our clinics. We closed the operating room. We divert our entire staff of surgical specialty to ICUs and a step-down unit. My director of neurosurgery was working like almost a clerk in our ICUs. Everybody, the cooperation and the teamwork at Elmhurst was something that I learned for the rest of my life. I never did expect that the entire team from the housekeeper to the administrator work shoulder to shoulder almost 24 seven. Um, I would go home at night and I get these messages from my three children that mom, if you want to kill yourself, there are easier way to do it, not to go to work every day. But I thought that the people, the young people with the small children commitment to the parents, they come to work and I sit home my conscience would not ever allow me to do that. So I was in from six o'clock in the morning till at time, God knows what time we were done with our she huddling slept and everything. Here. Yeah. So many of our leaders slept in the hospital. I mean, they didn't even go out of these walls to go outside. They were, they were here for each other. I mean, that's the type of commitment I, I, and sacrifice that I don't think gets noticed often. You know, this woman is like a hero. She's like, you know, she's the woman, a hero. The woman has she's nothing on hero. her. She doesn't need a lasso. She doesn't need anything. She just has her brain and her heart to make sure you feel better. Vicky, my staff would come to my office, close the door, put their heads on the table and cry. Those things hurt me more than anything else. So what we did, we ask our social worker and psych department psychiatrist to arrange a team to really take care of our employees with their mental status and keep them going and, and practically provide care to them, you know, mental care. And that was very difficult period because they were not useful to so many death and also so many terminal patients that the family could not visit and talk to them and console them. I mean, those are not only taking care of the patient was easy, but just carrying the emotional aspect of the family, patient and employee was another burden in everybody's shoulder really. Well, I, I just wonder now, even with the COVID receding, how are people mentally affected? You know, what they say with soldiers, they have that after effect of the war. I feel you were in a war zone. And how is it now? How are you coping now? How are the support systems now for your staff? As I mentioned that our uh, psych department, or we call them H3 team, really did support the employees even by a group counseling or individual when they want to be, you know, talk to a psychiatrist or psychologist individually, 
we provide that 24 seven to them, either by the phone or individual, you know, canceling. And I think fortunately, I have to say that we don't have anybody that really crashed through the team period. And what I have to also mention that our medical team did protect themselves. A few of them got sick, actually two got very sick that I had to send to Mount Sinai for the, you know, extended therapy, but we did not lose anybody of our staff with the COVID. So in doing that, is there advice that you can give people today? Uh, people are sort of feeling a little more relaxed because they've got the vaccine. So assuming someone has the vaccine, are people, uh, should they be more lax in there or what no. should they be doing to stay? No. Because this is not over. So, um, you know, and Zach will tell you all the, the medical stuff of the virus, but, uh, you know, the vaccine is not a cure for the virus. A virus mutates, and that's what we're seeing. Even though you get vaccinated, you still should be wearing your mask you, because you don't know who is vaccinated. We still don't have herd immunity in the community. So keep wearing your mask, keep being socially distanced. If you don't have to go out, you shouldn't go out. Um, and if you do go out, try to go to open aired spaces. Even us, like I know this is a podcast, you can't see us. We're both vaccinated and we're still wearing our masks. So let me ask you, uh, you know, kind of a, a question that I'd like each one of you to uh, answer. And first, we'll start with you, uh, Helen Ortega, the CEO of Elmer. Call me Helen. Helen, thank you. Helen, your secrets to success. You know, you've climbed the ladder to become a CEO with 44,000 employees. Can tell us what you would give advice to a young person wanting to be successful? I think the number one thing is get a mentor. Believe it or not, following other strong women is important um, because you get that advice of what to do and not to do. I think that's number one. And your mentors sometimes don't even know that you're being mentored by them. You know, I always say Oprah is my biggest mentor, but she doesn't know me because, you know, you Google her, you see the YouTubes um, and you can get advice from what they're giving out. Right. But I think the other big thing that I would say is the secret to my success. You know, that little voice and, you know, Jasmine probably goes through this. So that little voice that says, you know, you shouldn't do that. I kill that voice. I'm like, no. I'm not going to listen to that negativity. I'm not going to listen to that voice. I'm going to go for it anyway. I think that's one of my biggest uh, secrets. Secret to success. Yeah. Jasmine, what about you? What would you say were your secrets to success? Well, I advise the young generation, and I have, as you know, 10 grandchildren and five of them are girls. So I always advise them what we did myself through my life. As I think I mentioned maybe to you, I was one of the minority on the you know, 60s when I entered Mount Sinai School of Medicine. I was foreign and I was female. Female resident was forbidden on surgical specialty at Mount Sinai because they did not think that the female are strong enough to go through surgical specialty. I wanted to be an obstetrician. I wanted to be a surgeon. So I persist on what I want. So I tell my children and grandchildren that 
you should decide what you want. You should decide that is the future for you and go for it. Don't give up, try your best and learn from the others. Always do participate. And again, the teamwork during COVID teach me a lot that you cannot, no matter what you are, accomplish anything by yourself unless you have a team to guide you, advise you. I learned a lot during COVID from my staff after so many years of experience. And still, I learned from them what to do and how to do it. So don't hesitate to always go and aim for your goal. And if you decide you want to do it, finally, you would achieve. Well, I think we've gotten some great advice, both from Helen Ortega and Dr. Jasmine Moshapur. Thank you so much for being with me. And this is Victoria Schnepp signing off. Till next time. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.